Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. President Donald Trump on Friday signed into law a seven-bill package averting another partial government shutdown and funding federal agencies through the end of September. He also declared a national emergency at the southern border, a move designed to allow him to reprogram funding to border wall construction. Welcome to a Recess Week edition of Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Danielle Parnas. In the second segment, we'll talk about Democrats' bills to expand background checks on gun buyers. We start the show, though, with the spending deal and that emergency declaration. Michael Smallberg covers Homeland Security for the legislative analyst team, and Michaela Ross is BGov's Homeland Security reporter. They join us now. Hello. Hi, great to be here. Border security and funding for the wall were the genesis of the recent shutdown and also the big points of contention during negotiations for the spending bill that we got. It's probably fair to say the president didn't get what he had been demanding from the deal. The the emergency declaration pretty well bears that out. So the president and his supporters were touting the fact that this bill uh, boosted funding for immigration and customs enforcement and customs and border protection and providing $23 billion for those two agencies. But the president said he was not pleased with what this bill provided for border security and it's not hard to see why. Congress gave about $1.4 billion for fencing along the border in Texas. Even after the shutdown, uh, that's just about as exactly the same amount of money that Congress provided last year for fencing, well short of the $5.7 billion that the president was requesting. Uh, and Congress also put some restrictions, which we can talk about, on, on the, the types of fencing that DHS can use and also where those barriers can be built. The bill also provided, for example, about $400 million to improve conditions for migrants and and other individuals who are detained uh, at the border and held temporarily in CBP facilities. And Congress also did did not provide any new funding to hire Border Patrol agents beyond those that are already on board uh, in this fiscal year. And then on to the bed increases for detention beds. This was a point of contention between the parties. We were both amused uh, by the way both parties were summing up what exactly was in the bill. So with this legislation, it would technically increase the funding compared to last year so that there could be an average of 45,000 individuals detained, aka detention beds for ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. But that is technically higher than last year. The response from Democrats are saying is that, well, at this point, it's about 49,000 individuals being held and on average uh, for the fiscal year. So that would actually mean that ICE would have to cut back on the number of beds that it was using in order to meet that average over the entire year. Republicans, of course, were countering, well, actually, it would also leave them the freedom to detain up to 58,000 on average. So there's a, a wide range of actually how many people will be detained next year under this bill. Tell us a little bit more about some of those restrictions on where the barrier can be built. You know, what exactly was happening there? Yeah, so in this bill, Congress basically said that barriers could not be built at all uh, in five specific areas that included some wildlife and nature preserves, also an area that encompasses um, a SpaceX launch pad in Texas. Congress also specified five cities in Texas where DHS would have to consult with local officials and seek public comment before beginning construction. And Congress also included restriction from last year's spending bill that would limit the types of designs DHS and CBP could use for these this border fencing, which would basically stop them from using some of the new wall prototypes that the president has requested. The goal the White House said in the lead up to the national emergency declaration is still to get 234 miles of new 
fencing. So what they're trying to do here to get to that point, we already have about 33 to 37 miles of new fencing that had been appropriated for fiscal year 2018. That's supposed to be started this month by Customs and Border Patrol in the Rio Grande Valley. And then this bill would add an additional 55 miles of new fencing. And that's why they want more in order to get to that 234 mile mark. Let's talk about that emergency declaration. As we've discussed, the spending bill is providing less than one and a half billion dollars for border fencing. And the president with his emergency declaration is reportedly looking at six billion dollars of reprogrammed funds. Where's that money coming from? There's a couple of of different sources. It would actually total close to eight billion when you include the money appropriated through Congress last week as well. So about three and a half billion from military construction funding. That's would be coming out of the Department of Defense. That money had already been appropriated last year. There would also be another two and a half billion coming from drug interdiction programs also out of the Department of Defense and about 600 million coming from the Treasury Department for their own drug forfeiture program. Democrats have vowed to fight the declaration, which House Speaker Nancy Pelosi called an end run around Congress's constitutional spending power. Several states and public interest groups have already sued to block the president, and there's going to be a legislative push as well. Yeah, so on the legislative side, Congress could bring up a resolution basically to block how the president is invoking his emergency authority. Interestingly, this would require only a simple majority to advance uh, in the Senate. So if all Democrats in the Senate uh, vote for this resolution, you would only need you know basically four Republicans to join them. Obviously, a lot of Republicans did vocally express their displeasure with the president's use uh, of an emergency authority uh, to get this extra money for the border wall. So this could force the president to issue his, the first veto of his administration although Congress might not have enough votes to override it. We could also see some legislation designed to protect landowners who are at risk of having their property seized in order to begin border construction. And that is also reflected in the court challenges that we're seeing. Uh, One of the lawsuits that was filed since the declaration is on behalf of several Texas landowners that would be impacted by the border wall construction from public citizen who filed that, also Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics looking for more documentation pertaining to this order. And of course, 16 states at this point, off with uh, Democrats Democratic leaders are also filing a court challenge in the Ninth Circuit against this move, saying that it is a manufactured crisis and they do not want these federal dollars appropriated as such. We'll have more coverage on BGov.com. Thanks, Michael and Michaela. We'll be right back to discuss Democrats' gun background check bills. Last week, the House Judiciary Committee advanced two bills to expand the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, also called NICS, for gun purchases. House leaders have signaled their intent to bring the bills to the floor when they return from the President's Day recess next week. Legislative analyst Adam Taylor is following the bills for us, and we've turned the tables on him for this segment. Welcome to the other side, Adam. Thanks. The bill getting most of the attention is H.R. 8, called the Bipartisan Background Checks Act, which was rolled out with a, a lot of symbolism. Can you explain that, Adam? Yeah. So Democrats have made expanding background checks and gun safety a a real central part of their platform during the the 2018 campaign. And they they rolled this bill out in particular very early. It was introduced on January 8th, really early in the Congress. It also happened to be the eighth anniversary of the shooting of former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. And the markup for this bill was held on February 13th, the first anniversary of the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting that killed 17 people in Florida last year. So what does the bill do exactly? 
I think we have to dive into background checks a little bit for background on this. When you buy a gun from a dealer, someone who makes their their livelihood from dealing guns, that dealer has to have a license. If you're just a person who happens to be a gun aficionado and you want to get rid of one of your guns, you want to sell it, trade it, go to a gun show even and and post some of your, your weapons for sale there, you don't have to get a license. The background check requirement only applies to licensed gun dealers. They're the ones who actually have to contact NICS and get a result back before they can proceed with a sale. So if you're buying at a gun show, like I said, those often don't have to go through any background check at all. Same for internet sales between individuals and you know hand-to-hand transactions. That's often been called the gun show loophole. This would close that. It would require any transfer, sale, gift, trade to go through a licensed dealer. So if, if I want to sell you a gun, we'd have to go to a licensed dealer, give that person the gun. That person would then go through the background check and then complete the transfer once the, the background check is completed. There, there are some exceptions for gifts and loans if you're remaining present and there's no crime going to be committed or between members of the same family, they can give guns as gifts. But any sale and really most transactions of any kind are going to have to go through a licensed dealer. Now, this measure came out of committee on a party line vote. Uh, what are some of the objections Republicans raised? They they raised a few of them repeatedly. It was a very long markup. It went the entire day. One of the big ones they, they say is that the requirement for a background check in private transactions is unenforceable because there's no record keeping requirement. And notably, the bill stipulates that it would not authorize the creation of a national gun registry. And they say the only way this could be enforceable is by requiring a registry for all guns, which Republicans are opposed to. They just wanted to point out that this bill wouldn't be workable in their mind. They also view it as encroaching a constitutional right. The Second Amendment has the right to bear arms. The Supreme Court uh, has ruled that that is an individual right. And so any anything that kind of encroaches on that, they are opposed to. The bill also says that the Justice Department, which, which runs NICS, cannot impose a cap on the fees that dealers can charge for conducting the background checks. So there's a, a financial burden that, that Republicans argue will prevent otherwise legal transfers of, of guns especially trades where where you're exchanging a, a pistol for a rifle between friends or something like that. You'd have to go to a dealer and people involved in the trade would have to pay a fee. The other bill is similarly named the Enhanced Background Checks Act, which would close what's been dubbed the Charleston loophole. What's going on there? Yeah, so the 2015 uh, Charleston, South Carolina shooting, which left nine people dead in a church, obviously a huge tragedy. The, the shooter in that case obtained his gun essentially after a background check on him timed out. And had that background check returned a result, it would have blocked the sale of the gun that was used in that shooting. Under current law, if no result has come back from Nick's within three business days after the dealer requests a background check, he can go ahead and, and complete the transaction as long as he doesn't have other reason to know that the person can't have a gun or that he'd use it for a crime. This bill would require dealers to wait 10 days instead of three. And then after that time, that would allow them or after that time, they would petition the Justice Department to give a response to the Nick's background check. And only 10 days after the Justice Department receives that request, could the transaction go forward without a result. So it, it, it basically would allow purchasers of guns and dealers to ask the Justice Department to get a move on on the background check so that the transaction can go forward. Democrats on the Judiciary Committee pointed out time and again that the average time for a, a NICS check is 90 seconds. So the, the three days rule is for outlier cases, 
but obviously they they do come up and this bill would would try to ensure that the justice department weighs in with the background check results in each of those so what are the prospects for these two bills in the markup there were a lot of amendments offered by republicans democrats accused them of trying to drag it out republicans were saying they were offering these amendments in in good faith to try to improve the bill and get their input heard because democrats were moving very quickly on it if that's any indication we could see lots of amendments offered for for this for these bills they'll be considered under a rule which will require only a a bare majority on the house floor it's not clear whether the rules committee will make any amendments in order. Unlike the markup, we're actually seeing potentially some amendments from from Democrats. Bobby Rush has has offered one that would expand HR8 to include prohibitions on on gun trafficking and and some other things as well. So we could see Democrats try to shape these bills on the floor from where they currently are as well. Like I said, it'll only take a, a simple majority in the House, and both bills will probably pass the House. But they're unlikely to be taken up in the Senate, where Republicans do have control. So these aren't going to become law this year or or next year. But they are a way for the Democrats to put a marker down on gun violence and say, this is our plan going forward. Thanks, Adam. Find his coverage, including analysis of both these bills on BGov.com. That's our show. We'll be back when Congress returns to town next week. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.begov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. <laughs>